are listening to Out in Santa Cruz. I'm Rob Watson, and you're listening to KSEO AM 1080. Um, my dear Steph is out and about tonight, so she won't be on. But never fear, we have... I always say we have a great show. This one should knock your socks off. Um, we have an incredible young woman um, named Michelle Hasue. Michelle has made a film. Uh, that film is about a personal relationship she has over somebody who is very personal to a lot of us, and that person is Matthew Shepard. Matthew Shepard would be turning 39 this coming week. He would be 39 years old on Tuesday. He did not live to see that, obviously, um, and was brutally murdered uh, in the plains of Wyoming uh, when he was 22. We're going to talk not about Matt Shepard, the icon, but Matt Shepard, the person and the very human person that Michelle knew and loved and cared about and um, made a film about. Uh, you you want to hear this. There There is a lot in the film that absolutely blew me away, and I'm going to be asking her about some of those things tonight. Uh, before we get to Michelle, I want to cover a little bit of our In the News. Uh, for those of you who have been out and about in Black Friday shopping, and I guess I'm not sure what Saturday is after Black Friday. Gray Saturday? Um, black less? Uh, who knows? Anyway, um, if you've been out and about, Linda Harvey, uh, a well-known, outspoken anti-gay person, uh, has been moaning the fact that there's not a whole lot of place for homophobes to shop if you are intending on pu- punishing those establishments that are progressive and pro-LGBT. So, yeah. Uh, but Merry Christmas. No war on Christmas. Shop where you want um, and um, yeah, be LGBT friendly. Um, also going on in the world, I have uh, an article out that has been on LGBTQ Nation, also on Gay Star News. Actually, Gay Star News split it into two articles, so I have two there. And they're around a uh, little girl whose name is Ellie. She's five years old, and she is transgender. And uh, when she was born, she knew she was a girl. Uh, her parents didn't. So as soon as she became able to talk, her whole purpose in life was to inform them of that fact. Um, they are terrific parents. They tell her story. I tell their story. And uh, I also juxtapose that with a situation going on in Texas where a preschool teacher has refused to honor the request of a set of parents and to call a child in her care uh, by the gender that the child responds to and the child's given name or chosen name and feels that it is against her religious freedom to have to adhere to that. As a parent, I'm offended by that and very worried for parents if that is a standard that we in any way um, take to heart. Another situation has um, cropped up similar to that in a different kind of venue, a school in Wisconsin called Mount Horeb Primary Center uh, had announced that they were going to start using the book I Am Jazz with their kids in their classroom and um, disclosed that they do have a transgender child in their school. Um, Liberty Council has come down and threatened them all sorts of lawsuits. Liberty Council, you may remember, is the um, entity that was representing Kim Davis. Um, so they um, got tired of Kim and they've moved on to I Am Jazz and trying to create a transphobic ha- uh, havoc wherever they happen to land. Um, last but not least is this is kind of a painful one for me because I am such a big fan of Shirley Bassey. Um, but Shirley has given a an interview to the uh, Daily Mail 
And uh, this isn't about LGBT people per se. It is more about kind of misogyny, where she feels that women should be women and men should be men in very traditional ways. She is against um, stay-at-home dads, and she is against women who do jobs that she considers um, manly. Um, I think you're in the wrong century, Shirley. Um, but uh, And I hope the right arguments come up against you. And potentially we may be looking in the near future for a woman president. And um, nothing makes me want that more than to counteract that kind of attitude. So, um, yeah, good luck with that. So uh, what I want to do now is I want to... Uh, go to our guest for the evening. But before I do that, I want to take a quote from the film that she has made. This is a quote by Matt Shepard himself. And um, it is Matt Shepard in the words of Matt Shepard. I am funny, sometimes forgetful, and messy and lazy. I'm not a lazy person, though. I am giving and understanding and formal and polite I am sensitive, I am honest, I am sincere, I am not a pest, I am my own person, I am warm, I love helping, I love smiling, I love being myself, I love learning, I love eating, I love airports, I love hugs. So that is Matt Shepard in the words of Matt Shepard, helping the rest of us in the world get to know him is Michelle Hasse and Michelle, welcome to the program. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you too. And our our mutual friend Brody sends his love. I, I promised I would start out with you with with that information. Oh, so. I'm almost crying over here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you it's only fair. You made me cry when I watched the film. So, um, yeah, payback. Um, <laughs> that, that's just how it goes. Brody is actually a very interesting person. He was a, he's a, a journalist, a good friend of mine and, and a, a good friend of yours. And he was actually a journalist in in the situation. He was covering... Um, Matt when Matt was in the hospital and had just been found and uh, I didn't know Brody then and I don't think you did either but uh, it's an interesting world so I have to tell you right off the bat um, when when I saw the film um, moved me greatly I was anticipating it was going to be a good film but I didn't anticipate how deep to my personal heart um, you were going to slay um, and I have to tell you, as an activist and somebody who I think probably grew up with a similar psyche as Matt Shepard had and as you draw out in the film, I just want to say from that psyche and that point of view, thank you. Because if I was Matt Shepard, I would want a friend like you, a friend like you to stand up and say, this is who this person really was. So, so if that hasn't devolved you to tears, which is not a good thing to do with to your radio guest, um, <laughs> I apologize up front. No, but, thank you so much. That is, I mean, so much to me, and I can only imagine. I know it's such a hard watch. I, I can't watch it myself anymore, but um, it is. It's, it's heavy, and you know, it, it does mean so much to so many people. And I heard in the intro that you're also a parent as well, so I'm sure it hit on that level as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I have um, two 13-year-old sons, and I cannot imagine the horror for the shepherds and, you know, losing a child in that way. I, I will tell you, and I, I want to go through the film a little more methodically than this, but since we're on the subject, um, the one piece I almost felt a little bit relieved watching the film to find out that when what happened to Matthew happened that the shepherds were in Saudi Arabia and they got the horrible news, but it kind of got filtered so that they thought he might've been in a car accident. And it wasn't until they arrived back in the States when they were kind of funneled in the full information 
of what had actually happened. Because as a parent, I mean, I know what it was as, as somebody who didn't know him at all to see that image. I cannot fathom what had happened as a parent. Yeah, exactly. That's right. It, they were very, very far away, and it took them over 24 hours from Saudi Arabia to get to his side in the hospital. So, um, you know, on one hand, it's it's terrible because it took them so long. Um, but on the other hand, you're right. There is some solace um, to think about the fact that they weren't bombarded in, that, in those few days with all the media imagery and all of that stuff. I mean, it was a horrendous time. I remember it very well. Right. Right. So you, you as a, a good friend of his, what, where were you when you decided to do this project? What, where did the inspiration hit? It's time. I want to do this. Sure. You know, there's a, an easy and hard way to describe it. I immediately wanted to create a film for Matt. I was already in film school. It's my preferred medium of communication and it just felt like my duty, you know, as a storyteller, but mainly as his friend, I wanted to communicate to the world how special of a human being he was, that he was so much more than the egregious way in which he died. So immediately I wanted to do this, but, you know, I was 19, and I was so devastated by losing my friend, devastated by losing my friend in this horrific way that I, I couldn't even talk about him and what happened to him for many years. So it was something that was always burning inside of me. I was just, I guess, biding my time until I was mature enough um, professionally and emotionally to handle it because I knew it would be so hard. Um, but really, I think um, the push was reading Judy Shepard's book, The Meaning of Matthew. I read that book and was so struck by how honest it was. You know, she doesn't pull any punches, and she paints a very, very real picture of who Matt was. And he was, you know, flawed, and um, he wasn't perfect. And I just admired that she could be so, so honest, yeah, you and know. And um, you, I just felt like I, could, I needed to join in that. You, and, and you did. You, you so did. We are going to take a break right now, and we're going to come back in a few minutes. Um, I'm talking to Michelle uh, Hasue, who created the film. Um, Matt Shepard is a friend of mine. You are listening to KSCO AM 1080. Come back. You definitely want to hear the rest of this story. your home for the holidays with a real Christmas tree from the Santa Cruz Host Lions Lot near Costco. Lions always feature the best trees from the Pacific Northwest and all proceeds go to help your neighbors see, hear, or grow up to be productive adults. Bring your old eyeglasses and get a dollar discount and that's good for five pairs. Hurry for the best selection to the Lions Christmas Tree Lot at Portuguese Hall near Costco. Daily 9 to 7. We are the Lions and we serve. Information at santacruzlions.org. Is your internet connection slow? Do you experience outages or dread calling customer support? How about your latency? Etheric Networks can help you. Etheric Networks is the Bay Area's locally owned alternative to DSL satellite and cable. Etheric provides fast, reliable, symmetric internet via our wholly owned network of towers covering the Bay Area from Salinas to Santa Cruz to Sausalito. We install a two-foot dish on your building and point it to one of our towers to connect you directly to the major data centers of Silicon Valley. Etheric directly connects to Tier 1 companies like Google, Facebook, and Amazon to ensure high-quality service from your building to the world. KSCO, Residential Special. Residential service up to 10 megabits per second, symmetric. That's up and down for $85 a month and $199 installation. With guaranteed minimum speeds and uptime, unlike our competitors. Etheric Networks. Call 650-399-4200. That's 650-399-4200. Etheric.net. That's E-T-H-E-R-I-C dot net. 
I'm here with Sharon and Ron of the Bay Briar Shop, Soquel. On Porter, 3015 Porter, off of Soquel Drive. Come to the Bay Briar Shop and get Longevity products. You have probably the greatest selection of the most popular products where you can just go in and buy it with cash, right? Yes, absolutely. Uh, basically, you can come in and get the product, pay cash check or credit card, and walk out with the product. The Bay Briar Shop. 3015 Porter, off of Soquel Drive. In Soquel. What's the phone number? 475-1751. See you at the Bay Briar. I look at the sky, kids climbing trees, we got oceans of food and everything we need, I know someday, somehow, everyone will see, it's got to start somewhere, even if it's only you and me. Listening on KSEO AM 1080, Santa Cruz, Monterey, Watsonville, and Salinas. I am talking to the director of a really poignant, important film called Matt Shepard is a Friend of Mine. And if you watch that film, you will feel like Matt Shepard is a friend of yours as well. Um, but we're talking to director uh, Michelle Hasue. And um, Michelle, when we left, we were you were mentioning um, The Shepherds and the book that uh, Judy wrote. One thing I found interesting in the film is that when Matt came out and when he was talking to his counselor, he was very afraid of coming out to his parents, even though when he eventually did, they were very accepting. But he was afraid, I think the exact words that were used in the film, that my family would reject me. Um, what what can you speak to that environment that he why he felt that way? Um, you know, it's something that does actually make Judy and Dennis very sad when they see it in the film, and it was a surprise for them, quite a shock because, you know, they um, very purposefully created a family atmosphere that was very inclusive, very accepting. Um, you know, since he was born and they were I think disappointed but um, at the same time I, I can't speak to the fear you might one might have to be rejected by the people that they love the most you know so you know it's 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 sad but it's it, it, how what Matt really felt at that time um, but you know Judy does say in the film that she she knew since he was about eight um, since he would Dressed up like Dolly Parton for <laughs> Halloween, she felt she knew. Oh, oh! Had there been a picture of that, I would have loved <laughs> seeing that. So, you know, one of the things that that we we who feel like we own a piece of Matt Shepard, who in, in fact don't. Um, in fact, one of the things in the film that really stands out as as you unfold the events that finally happened is that it was these two forces of one love from strangers and the other hatred from strangers that was such a, a bizarre storm, psychic storm for the family itself. But the the thing that we all looked at when we saw Matthew was a boy pinned on a fence in this Wyoming, you know, arid place, uh, left abandoned and beaten, um, and it had such an impact. Yet you draw a portrait of not a boy. You draw the portrait of a man who went through a lot. Um, 
one of the things I've been told is that if you want to look and see what kind of advocate or activist Matt Shepard would have become, look to his mother. That the the apple did not fall from the far from the tree. Um, are those your feelings, and what what would you want to say about that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, um, Matt was 21 when he died. He was um, very proud of who he was, and and it took him quite a bit of struggle to get to that place. We all felt that when he did move to Laramie, that he was on on the right path and and figuring things out. We share in the movie that he was assaulted um, when he was a senior in high school. Uh, he battled depression all throughout his life. Um, but the one thing that was so wonderful about and so honorable about Matt was that he was very proactive about finding his happiness and his place in the world. And he was always searching and searching for love and, and for peace. Um, so I also want to share that Matt was also very, you know, knowing Matt, he was also very, very civic-minded, extremely generous, loved people, was very, very charitable. So I do feel, we all do, that he would be in the same type of work that Judy and Dennis are, you know, the same field. Um, I think he would be, would have been a great activist, a teacher, social worker. He was just so giving. Um, and also he was, he, he, he was never, um, He's a fighter. He, he always stood up for the underdog, and that was something that was true since he was, um, you know, since I knew him, which was when he was a young kid in high school. Right. Can you you mention this? And if you, if you don't mind, I'd like to go into a little more detail because I found it to be both a, a big shock for me, but also, you know, it was a real important pivot in his life, not necessarily in a good way, but the assault. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about what happened to him there? Sure. Um, Matt went to Marrakesh um, in Morocco on a high school trip with a, f- a small group of um, other students. And he, on that trip, he was raped and, um, and robbed by a, a group of men. And... Um, it's yeah, you know, it's hard. It's hard to talk about, but um, you know that that's what happened, and um, it was the catalyst again for the depression that he battled with um, all the way until he was, you know, until he died. But it was a very, it was very much a turning point. Um, I could speak to that time, um, knowing him. Then uh, he was very before that attack. He was very open and and. Um, just very uh, the life of the party, and after the attack, he went back to Saudi Arabia for a while, and then returned to school in time to graduate. And you could definitely tell that there was a difference. He was much more closed off. Um, Judy mentioned in her interview that, you know, he he stopped acting. He didn't want to act in plays anymore. He didn't want people to look at him, and he kind of his posture changed. He just would kind of look down, um, not look people in the eye. So um, it was. It didn't mark a big change in his life. Right. I related a lot to that because uh, sort of what the situation was, cause, uh, it, and correct me if I'm wrong, he wasn't out with the friends he was in Morocco with. And so he went out kind of on his own later in the evening. And as a young man, that was so much my life as in terms of dealing with the closet because you would go to a place to a town with people who didn't know you were gay and then quietly later you would go find the gay place to really breathe with you know where you could be authentic and 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 experience your own people if it were um and those places were often in the more dangerous parts of town because that's where they could kind of hide out and not be exposed and i just it's those kind of details behind your story that made me realize how much of really a gay man that matt represented and and how much of the gay male experience of trying to hide and be vulnerable plus being a target in a way because he was himself and, you know, he was, 
gentle and, you know, not macho and not threatening. And um, that made the people who wanted to prey on him all the more eager to do so. Um, so when when he hit that that dark patch and he went back to Laramie, I, it's sort of, again, another part of the experience you bring out is the need that a lot of LGBT people have across the country, which is to go home to a place that may not be the most LGBT progressive, but it's home. Can you talk about Laramie as home for Matthew? Um, sure, I, could, I can definitely try. Um, you know, Matt loved to travel. He loved experiencing the world. After he graduated from high school, his parents gave him an around-the-world plane ticket. And what he would do was visit all of us in all these different places um, around the world, like Japan, um, me in New Mexico when I was there, um, other friends in, in Europe and stuff. So he loved to travel, but um, after he'd gone through this, sort of dark period in his life, he really wanted to put down roots and he wanted, as he said, to go to go home and, and Wyoming for him was home. Even though his parents were in Saudi Arabia, um, he always felt that Wyoming was where he belonged. Um, and I and I know he had friends and family members who were still there and, and his younger brother Logan was gonna join him um, at the University of Wyoming the following year. So it just seemed like such a great idea and, and for Matt at that time it was important for him to feel safe um, so that was the motivation behind him moving back to Wyoming and Laramie you know the University of Wyoming is where I believe Judy and Dennis also attended um, university too so um, it was just kind of all in the family in that way and all of us as we say in the film thought it was it was he was on the right path right now you when you decided to go on this project, you started looking at him um, and probably, and I'm going to guess, that you were sort of discovering what you didn't know because um, we don't, we have so many intimates in our lives that that we don't know everything. What, what as you investigated and, and dug in, did you discover about Matt that surprised you? Oh my gosh, so much. There was only, you know, lots of people have so many different, I mean, we all have different facets of our identity and our personality, and the Matt that I knew was the very fun-loving, um, mischievous, um, very, very funny kind of life-of-the-party person. Um, so that was who I know, who I knew. So to look, to go through all the interviews and home video footage and letters and poems um, and to find out that he was, there was a lot more depth to him. There was a lot more pain to my friend. That was both surprising and very and very sad, sad to know. Um, so, so there was so much I, I that was a surprise to me. Um, I, di- I guess I didn't really know how how the attack in Morocco really left such a terrible imprint on his life and his psyche. So that was sad. Um, yeah, I think just everything about his struggles you know it's, it's hard to find out that your friend is um battling so much and there's nothing you can do right right the 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 one thing in the film that um somebody mentions um that life love and god were things that were very important to matt what and and when he went back to colorado i know he sought out a church um, to get community and connect and was met with basically somebody highly homophobic who, you know, told him that gay people are going to hell and, you know, the thing that a lot of LGBT people find when they reach out to religion and God. But what, what in your experience was Matthew's spiritual life and awareness like? You know, that was a surprise to me as well, to know that he had such a rich um, spiritual life. I learned through his parents that he was an acolyte um, and that he would go to the church. Um, I think it's St. Mark's um, Church in Casper with his mom. Um, so that that story of him going into the church in Denver and being rejected, that was all new to me as well. Um, so I can't, you know, I didn't really know that about him, but it was um, it was a nice surprise. It, it was nice to learn that he he had that. And 
as I mentioned at the top of the show, you know, he would be 39 this year. Yes. Um, which is really amazing. Um, what, what do you think his life would be like if he, if that hadn't happened to him? What, what do you think the 40 year old, almost 40 year old Matt would be like today? Oh my God. Yeah, that's such a tough question. Um, you know, it's really hard um, because I, I do, you know, we spoke about it earlier in our discussion. You know, I, I do think he would be in a very socially minded profession, um, either teaching or being a, an activist, of course, uh, traveling the world. He really wanted to work for the State Department and be a diplomat and affect change on an international level because he was so worldly and, and really loved um, traveling and he spoke many languages. I could really envision that. Um, however, that didn't happen. You know, he right. he passed away and... And that's um, always so so horrible. But what's bittersweet about it is because he he died. His his death did affect a change, and it did change the world, and it did wake up so many people, including myself. You know, the heterosexual community at large, and, and made us aware that we needed to stand up and 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 realize what was going on. That all of this was happening, that there was not only one Matt Shepard, there's Matt Shepherds all over the world experiencing violence and prejudice, and um, we needed to, to take notice and, and fight. So, uh, you know, it, it's a hard question because I hope he would have had, he would have peace and happiness, but at the same time he didn't, And but that has been very meaningful for the world at large as well. Right. It's, it's kind of, you're, and you know, they pay me to come up with the hard questions, so yeah, sorry about that. Yeah. But um, the, um, the thing about it is, too, that he had such an impact that him growing up as a 40-year-old and being a beneficiary of it is, well, would he, would the benefits be the same without him having had that experience. It's sort of a, you know, we we lost him. He lost himself in that way for, you know, a benefit that he has, has left with many of us. So um, we have to take our final break, and we'll be back in a few minutes. And I want to talk a little bit about the last few breaths of Matthew Shepard. When we come back, you're listening to Out in Santa Cruz, KSEO AM 1080. Back in a minute. Hi, Registered Pharmacist Ben Fuchs here. I've been studying healthy bodies for 35 years. And what I've got to tell you may shock and surprise you, but if you listen up, it may change your life. Hormones. We hear the word all the time. When it comes to health and longevity, no aspect of our biochemistry is more relevant than the efficient and effective functioning of the hormones. The study of the hormones dates back 4,000 years to the ancient Chinese who used extracted substances, today thought to be sex hormones, from urine, and used them medicinally to improve health and longevity. Later on, Indian physicians and their Greek and Roman counterparts recommended the use of seaweed to treat neck swelling, which we now know to be related to the condition of the thyroid. Our modern understanding of these essential and powerful biochemicals began in the late 19th century when the famous neurologist Charles Braun Saccard injected himself with a mixture of ground-up, hormone-rich dog testicles and reported a marked improvement in his strength, stamina, and ability to concentrate. Although there's over 25 principal hormones produced in the various glands, from a physical perspective, there are two major control points for all of them, what we eat and how we breathe. In other words, every morsel of food that enters our mouths and every molecule of air that passes into our lungs and into our blood exerts an effect, for better or worse, on our hormones. That means that no matter what our health issues are, by paying attention to digestion and dietary choices and healthy respiration, hormonal health, and ultimately all the markers of our overall well-being can be optimized. Pharmacist Ben here urging you to go to kscohealth.com to order Beyond Tangy Tangerine, the Healthy Start Pack, and other nutritional supplements that I personally use and recommend. You can purchase these premium quality products at wholesale prices online at kscohealth.com. That's kscohealth.com. I'm a pharmacist that believes that staying healthy and strong is not only about medicine, it's about giving your body the raw materials it needs to do its work. Go to kscohealth.com. Make sure you check out the 
cool videos, too, at kscohealth.com. That's kscohealth.com. You can save a lot of money when you buy a home with the right kind of mortgage. To learn about all the mortgages available, like renovation, first-time buyer, and jumbos, and which mortgage might save you lots of money, tune in to Ken Michaels and the Mortgage Makeover Show Sunday morning at 8 o'clock on KSCO. Ken will clear the mortgage airwaves and leave you in the know about how to save money. Mortgage Makeover is brought to you by American Mortgage and Equity. Tune in Mortgage Makeover Sunday morning at 8 or call American Mortgage at 844-WE-LEND-4-U or go to CaliforniaLowRates.com. They've come back to KOMY for another exciting season of hockey. Here's Marta with speed on the left. Makes the move on Petrovic in front. Back hits up. He scores! A spectacular goal by Patrick Marta as he blasted his way in. The Sharks are up 3-1, and Patrick Marlowe has his fourth of the year. Don't miss the next exciting San Jose Sharks game on KOMY, AM 1340. I wish that this night would never be over. There's plenty of time to sleep when we die. Listening to Out in Santa Cruz, I'm Rob Watson, and I am talking to Michelle Hasue, the director of the film. Matt Shepard is a friend of mine. Um, Michelle, before I move to my my next question, I want to find out where where can people get this film, view this film, absorb this film? How how is it available? It's available in a lot of places. We're on iTunes. You can get the DVD from our website as well, um, and you can download it. And I think Amazon has it. And on Net- we'll be on Netflix December 3rd. Um, and also I want to say that on December 1st, which would have been Matt's 39th birthday, we will be doing a special thing on our website where we'll offer the film for $3.90, but you can pay anything you want above that price, and all of that money will be going to the Matthew Shepard Foundation. Right, right. And and I hope people take advantage of that. It is, I can't think of a better way to remember Matt and to honor Matt than to getting that copy of that film on his birthday and you know, understanding um, more more about the real person. Um, we kind of owe it to him in, in many ways. Um, before the break, I was uh, making an allusion to the part in the film where the counselor, Matt's school counselor, was actually asked to go in. Matt was in a coma, um, not not ever going to really recover, but not had not passed away, and he presumably could have lasted in a coma for many years. The family was being asked, you know, whether they wanted to turn him off life support, which, as a parent, is the last question on earth you ever want posed to you. And the counselor went in and whispered to Matt that it was okay for him not to fight, that he had accomplished what he set out to do. He was going to be a hero. He was going to be famous, and it was okay. Um, what impact did that story have on you? I mean, just hearing you tell it, it makes me tear up because he really... Sorry. No, no, it's... <laughs> he, he, he did... He always he always joked around and said he wanted to to be famous and you know he did he did want to be an actor and he was on the stage, but um, I think it was more than that. I think he wanted to make an impact and change the world. He said he would say as much, you know, back when we were in high school. So to hear Walt share those last few minutes with Matt and to tell Matt, who was such a giving, kind person, that it was that he didn't need to put his family through this, um, that. He, he can stop fighting that just broke it just breaks my heart um yeah it's just i mean it just sounds like that too you know right. of course that's how it, that's how it would be i i have to say it it 
it affected me a great deal because I have been in my life and a lot of my life experience, I've had to say a lot goodbye to a lot of people, um, especially through the AIDS crisis where I lost 40 close friends and was oh there, you know, at the end. And with so many of them, in fact, one friend in particular, I noted as his life was being ended way, way too short that there was a point there where he had done what he was here to do and he got done before he passed away. And I remember that moment looking at him where he was talking about things that he had just accomplished and it was, he's done. I mean, it was, there was, it was almost a spiritual footnote to it that, you know, it's sometimes in these tragedies, people do get done, you know, and accomplished. And it, it, made me feel watching your film that there was this spiritual moment for Matthew. Um, one thing then as an aftermath, um, one of the things that is part of the, the Matt Shepard story that is almost saintly was his parents essentially saving the life of the man who killed him. Um, can you talk to that a little bit? Um, yes, it's it's unbelievable, and you know I'm just so blessed and grateful to know them um, and to see the work that they do. And when I created the film, you know I wanted people to realize what they had done and how inspiring it is because it's such an inspiring choice. Um, they could have continued the cycle of hate and and tried to seek vengeance and pursue the death penalty against Aaron McKinney, but they, they chose not to. Um, and that was a very, very hard decision for them because they actually are pro-death penalty, but they felt as a family that it was the wrong message to send out to the world, that it was a time for healing. Um, so they they spared him, and um, and it just is... It's, it's unbelievable. I, I don't know if I could do something like that if I was in their shoes. So it just um, it just seemed like a beautiful way to um, to put it the beautiful way to end the film to show that Matt's death um, that there was all there's this beautiful legacy you know to Matt's death that hate uh, love can conquer hate um, and. And now the shepherds are, are working tirelessly to make sure that this type of thing doesn't happen to another family. It's just a, it's just so beautiful, bittersweet, but beautiful. Right, right. And you know, one of the things Ernest Hemingway said one time about writing that writing is easy. You just uh, sit at your typewriter and bleed. And <laughs> um, I, I see that as you as a filmmaker. I mean, you kind of sat at your you know, film equipment, for lack of a better term, <laughs> and, you know, you just completely opened yourself up. I mean, it was, you You were, you know, there. there's no holding back there. One of the scenes with you is when you're sitting and talking to the minister and you're asking the minister about the um the the men who who killed him and if there if he he the minister saw any good in them and he kind of gave a sort of a you know there's good in everybody you know blah 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 kind of answer and you cried what what was going on for you there with that emotion and and those tears i was just to be totally honest i was just angry and i'm still angry you know, I'm I'm mad that um, that in God's eyes that He could see Aaron McKinney and Russell Henderson and and my friend Matt as equal as, as brothers. Um, that made me angry. Um, you know, and it, but it was I must say a really transformative conversation to experience not as a filmmaker but just as a person, just as a friend, and it's one that I think about all the time. You know, and, it, and I feel that the message is, is quite profound, but it's still a, quite a difficult pill to, to swallow, you know, that they aren't these purely, you know, two-dimensional evil people. They're human beings, just like Matt was, um, who had families and who lost their families and caused so much pain. Um, but if they weren't 
just anomalies. They're products of, of a society and a community that, that taught them that it was okay to hate. So it was a very kind of complex, very heart-wrenching scene for me, a conversation for me, because it's kind of hard to open your your heart up and, and think about them in that in that way. Right. But I feel if we need to, if we want to really change as a society and heal the world um, and be more compassionate, I mean, that's, really, that's a great way to start. <laughs> Right, right there with those two people. Uh, yeah, that's that's really the trial, isn't? It? I mean, for if if you can forgive there, then you know you're you're pretty much open to to anywhere um, that you can forgive. So in in the filmmaking process, I know that you probably had a ton of footage, and you know there's flow of the film and all these constraints and and things that you're thinking of as you're making it. What is a piece? out of Matt's life that, for whatever reason, you couldn't put in but still meant a lot to you? Oh, that's a great question. I think, um, well, there's a lot of things. Uh, the, the film was five hours for a really long time, and I just didn't <laughs> want to cut it down. Um, oh, some things that I really liked were um, pieces about his his friends, um, and other people who were just so inspired by what happened and how the world responded that they became advocates in their own right. Um, so Romaine Patterson and Jim Osborne, they began Angel Action, which is this great counter-protest um, to protect the shepherds from seeing the Westboro Baptist Church. And they wore these great, huge angel wings made out of PVC pipe and white bed sheets. And they're... Um, they're featured very prominently in the Laramie Project. I had a great little segment about them, but ultimately, you know, the film couldn't be five hours long, so I had to cut some things out. I There's actually want to see the five-hour version, just like, you know, <laughs> it got me that hooked. I, it's like, you know, if yeah. it's ever out there, I want to see the full director's five-hour cut. You know? <laughs> but they're great little bits of home video of Matt. Um, just hearing his voice is something that I, I really liked. Um but we, we, you know, we kept it as much of that in as possible because I thought it was important for people to, to hear his voice and to have him narrate his own story before, because he never had the chance to do that. He was robbed of his voice before he got to do so. So, so all those things were in. But there was this one amazing scene where he's in Japan and he rings this bell and he, you know, he could have been, he was kind of shy, but the way he rang it was really funny. But what was so odd was that I went with Dennis to this site in Casper, um, and it's called the, they, they have this Liberty Bell that they erected in honor of Columbine and of Matt. And whenever Dennis traveled outside of Casper, he would stop at that bell and ring it on the way to the airport, you know, to say goodbye to his son. So when I saw both of those footage, yeah, both of those things in my, you know, hours and hours of footage, I was just struck by the similarity between Dennis and Matt. Yeah. No, oh, amazing. And that is one point in the film that one thing you just mentioned that um, I think the way the film puts it is Matt's greatest legacy is a generation of advocates that Absolutely. You know, he, he, he spurred that on. And it, it you watch the film, it's I. I feel for the shepherds in such a, a strong way in, in terms of the parent thing because here, you know, you in the film you have uh, President Clinton uh, making comments about Matt and very specifically to their son. You know, later in the film you have um, uh, President Obama giving them a award and, and kissing Judy. And so they're all of a sudden these ordinary folks have been elevated to this platform where they're rubbing elbows with presidents but at what a cost to to get there um it's it's um it, it's almost too much to wrap your arms around michelle what you know we're coming to the end of the show and you've been phenomenal and thank you it's been an absolute thrill to talk to you what haven't i asked you about matt that people need to know oh my goodness well you were very thorough <laughs> quite deep <laughs> I just, um, you know, I wanted to get across the fact that Matt was so caring and, and generous, but he also was very, very funny. He was um, had a really mischievous sense of humor, again, like his like his father. Um, but uh, he was curious about the world. He traveled a lot, and this is all um, 
I'm not contrary, but things that you didn't know um, back in 98. The media sort of painted this picture of Matt as being, you know, this young, I guess, like boy who was from Wyoming, um, and it was this heartland, you know, cowboy country murder. Like, it, you know, there was a lot more nuance and a lot more depth to, to, to his character, and I just wanted to kind of fill in those blanks for people. Yeah, terrific. And, and you know, my heart goes out to you as a friend and for your loss, your personal loss, apart from the loss that all of us feel. And, you know, that, you know, Ellen DeGeneres, the, the clip of her paints so much because here she's talking about somebody who's a stranger to her. But, uh, you know, you never have seen Ellen so raw as she is presented in your film. So I know there's a very personal loss that um, you're probably going to feel on Tuesday. Um, please, again, tell us where we can get the film so people know, and now that they're, they've are they got their pencil ready to write, where they can <laughs> find it. You can find the film on our website, mattshepardisafriendofmine.com. You could get it on DVD there or digital download. It's also on iTunes, Amazon, um, just generally online, Best Buy and stuff. And, again, on Tuesday you can buy the film for a very special $3.90 in honor of Matt's what would have been Matt's 39th birthday? And if you're listening, you and you must be listening. Um, you need you need to get that film. This this is an important thing for you to to view. Michelle, what's next for you? You have an, another film project coming up, or? I hope so. Uh, well, you must. <laughs> yeah, this has been a long journey. So we're finally kind of getting Matt Shepard as a friend of mine, you know, to be sort of a self-sustaining <laughs> project. But um, soon we'll be hopefully shooting a documentary over in Asia. Um, it's still in development, so I can't really say too much. But I'm just really excited to get back in the field again. Well, thank you again. Thank you so much. Uh, uh, more beyond an honor to, to speak with you and to share about Matt in this way. Um, and people remember on Tuesday, Matthew Shepard. You have been listening to Out in Santa Cruz, KSEO AM 1080, Watsonville, St- Santa Cruz, Salinas. I'm Rob Watson, and stay tuned to us next week when we'll have another great show. Thanks. Thanks.